Amen. Can I just see you lift your hands up? Thank you very much. Great to have you. Great to have you in God's house. Ladies and gentlemen, as is our custom here in Daystra, can we rise up to our feet and please welcome this great people God has sent to us to worship with us. Amen. Thank you. Okay. I feel like some people are still not sure what's happening, so I'm going to answer your questions. Yes, I am preaching on behalf of Pastor Scott today. You should be praying instead of... (laughs) (laughs) Pastor Scott had to preach at the Tuscaloosa campus this morning, and Pastor Turner was expected to preach here this morning. Uh, but Pastor Tanner is overcoming in his body and it's something that's going around right now with most of us under the weather so Pastor Tanner and everyone who's going through stuff in their body we just receive and agree with you for healing for recovery in the name of Jesus ladies and gentlemen I want to really say that it's been eight years since my wife and I have been coming to Daystar And I really want to take this little time to appreciate God for bringing us here. Not only did he give us great pastors and leaders over us in the persons of Pastor Scott and Christy, he has also exposed us to great people uh, of which we I do not take anyone for granted. God has used you all to truly bless us, to bring us from somewhere we had been to where God has brought us up to today. And I want to thank God for every one of you. You are all awesome. I am delighted to be continuing the sermon series today of the grace, uh, the grace series, the power of the gospel. And I would like to begin by just reading the uh, scripture that we have been reading on this series uh, for a few weeks now. John chapter 1, if you would, verse 14 to 17. Thank you for appreciating God's word. But if you want to join them and you didn't do that, you can do that again. John chapter 1, verse 14 to 17. The Bible says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glorious of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness of all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Can we just pray for a minute? We thank you now, God, because we come to you by way of your word. The Bible says your word will make even the simple to be wise. We ask that as we get into your word today, you would enlighten us and you would take us to new heights in glory. You would expose to us the things that will bring about our liberty as we walk in you from one level of glory to another in the name of Jesus. The Bible says when we know the truth, the truth makes us free. In other words, the truth begins to fashion in us the confidence and the understanding that we need to walk in the freedom with which Christ has set us free. I pray today, oh God, as the word comes forth, that people will be liberated in the name of Jesus. Cause the scales to fall out of the eyes of men and women in this place today. We come against everything that would act as a distraction against your word in the name of Jesus. And we receive liberty and give praise to your name this morning. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. And let someone say... Amen. I don't know about you, but I've been privileged to sit under this sermon series for a while now, and I can't deny the fact that God has tremendously blessed me by way of revelations that he has brought my way through the grace series. I'm glad to also know that I'm not alone because we just watched a number of people on the video who have expressed the things that they have learned, and these learnings have brought about understanding. The understanding has brought in brought illumination to them and made them stronger in their walk with God. And one of the revelations I just got from from this as Pastor Scott began to preach about it was that grace is not just a biblical concept. 
Great, it, grace is not a subject. It's not a theological subject. It is not necessarily what we say at meal times. But grace is a person, the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the embodiment and personification of grace. For the Bible tells us, Titus chapter 2 verse 11, that the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Didn't we also read in John chapter 1 verse 14, it says, and of his fullness of all we received and grace for grace. Because Jesus is grace. He says, we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Somebody say grace, grace. and truth. And I also realized this when Pastor Scott said it, it hit me real hard. That grace and truth has to work together. Because you can't preach grace without truth. And you can't preach truth without grace. Because when you preach grace without truth, you deceive people. And you make the grace of God of no effect. When you preach truth without grace, you crush people and then you make the truth of God without effect. So when we preach grace, we must temper it with truth. And when we preach truth, we must temper it with the grace of God. I can't spend the time going back again to, uh, to speak of the things Pastor Scott has told us of this, of which many of us, many of us here actually can testify to the fact that we have heard people preach what was supposed to be truth to us that hurt us real bad in the process. And we have heard people who also try to make us feel good with a sermon of grace so that we forsook the truth of God about our situation and causing us to deceive ourselves. As I go forward in this series today, I want to bring one dimension to it today. And that's the power of grace in forgiveness. Somebody say forgiveness. Actually, today's uh, sermon is subtitled, You Are Forgiven. Look at your neighbor and say, you are forgiven. And I can tell just from the way we say it is that we all expect sometimes that this should be common knowledge. Yeah, we should know we're all forgiven. That's why we're sitting here today. If it was not for the grace of God and for the forgiveness of Jesus from my sins, I won't be here. We might take it lightly that the knowledge of God's forgiveness upon our lives is commonplace. But what we don't realize, ladies and gentlemen, is if we only knew how many people, despite the understanding that we are forgiven, are still going through life every day, with the weight and the burden of their past mistakes and guilt upon them, you would not take light the fact that God has forgiven you. If only you knew how many people still go through life today, even as Christians, feeling bad about the mistakes that they had made and the choices that they made in their past. If only you knew. If only you knew how many people are going through stuff right now and they're still afraid that people are looking at them with the same eyes of what they used to be and have not given them a chance to live the life that they are now. If only you knew. If only you knew how many people are still wishing they could go back in time and change some of the things that happened in their past so that they would not be living with the fear and the mistakes of today. If only you knew. If only you knew how someone here may be thinking, I wish I did not say I did to the man I say I did to. Then I wouldn't be going through what I'm going through now, the hurt that I'm going through. If only you knew. If only you knew that there are still people here, even though God has forgiven them, yet somehow they still wish that they could go back in time and say I'm not going with you into that room that led to the pregnancy, that led to the abortion, that still haunts me today. If only you knew. You will not take the forgiveness of God for granted. You will not make light of it. Because despite the understanding and the fact that God has forgiven us, some of us are still struggling with the mistakes. Some of us are still working their entire life trying to make people understand that we are not the man that we used to be. We are still trying to ask people to give us a chance so that we can express the new man that God has put on our insides. If only you knew what the person sitting by your side is going through 
If only you knew how some people can no longer shout and jump and praise and express themselves in the house of God like they used to simply because someone hurt them in the past or simply because something happened to them in the past that they have not been able to let go. Because ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you this? I was a, I was a pastor, an associate pastor for about seven years in Nigeria. But when I came here, I wanted to stay at the back bench. I didn't want to open my mouth. But when I heard the word of God preached, it burned like fire in my bones but yet I could not express myself like I should because something kept telling me that my past was going to come back and haunt me if I release myself again back into the things that I used to be. I don't know if there's anyone here, but God, I know this, that many of us today have withdrawn from some of the things that God has put on our insides simply because of some choices and some bad mistakes we made in the past. God wants us to understand the power of grace in your forgiveness today. He wants you to understand the freedom that you are supposed to be walking in despite the mistakes you probably have made in your past. It's easy to say I am forgiven, but it is something different to walk like someone who has been forgiven. It's one thing to shout it out, but it's another thing to leave like you know that your past is erased. So I want to talk to you about the aspect of grace, the grace of God that brings forgiveness. Today, are we ready for this? And I want to take you back to the New Testament to a man you all know very well and probably admire. And I do admire him, too, for his courage because he models something that we all can take home today to give us the liberation so that according to the Bible, we can stand fast in the liberty in which Christ has set us free. Ladies and gentlemen, let us visit Peter. If you have your Bibles or you can look on the screen, John chapter 18 from verse 15. Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door, where? Outside. Then the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to her who kept the door and they brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, you are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Then the servant girl who kept the door, uh, I read that already. Now the servants and officers who had made a fire of coals stood there for it was cold and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. The high priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spoke openly in the world. I always taught in synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always meet. And in secret, I have said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. And when he has said these things, one of the officers who stood by him struck Jesus with the palm of his hand. In our present day language, we say he gave him a dirty slap and said, do you answer the high priest like that? Jesus answered him, if I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? Then Anna sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied and said, I'm not! What are you talking about? One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear, <laughs> be careful what you do sometimes in life because he'll come back and bite you. Whose ear Peter cut off. You don't forget things like that. 
You don't forget the face. Said, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter denied again, and immediately a rooster crowed. I want to read Luke's version of this story so that I can put a few facts that uh, uh, Matthew probably missed and add it with this. Let's go to Luke chapter 22. Are you bored? Beautiful. Luke chapter 22, verse 54. It's the same story, just a few facts that we left behind. Having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed from where? At a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him And said, hey guys, this man also was with him. But he denied and said, woman, I don't know him. And after a little while longer, another saw him and said, you also are one of them. Peter said, man, I am not. Then after about an hour had passed, Another guy, confidently this time, affirmed, saying, Oh, dude, this guy is surely with him. I can see from the way he talks, the way he's dressed, everything about him. He's a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I've been telling you guys and you don't want to listen. I don't know what you're talking about. And another translation, another um, 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 writer actually says he began to cuss. While he was saying, I don't know what the baby you're talking about. What are you guys talking about? I've been telling you I'm not one of them. And the rooster did what? Crowed. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this was after Jesus had left Gethsemane. After Jesus had even told Peter, this was going to happen to you and all that. After Peter had tried to convince Jesus that I'm going to be with you no matter what. I'm going to bring my thug life back on if anyone tries to lay a hand on you, Jesus. And he proved it because when someone, the moment they tried to put their hands on Jesus, an ear left. And thank God because if that guy was not a ninja who knew how to dodge, it probably was his neck Peter was going for. But he ducked and then the ear got sliced up. But Jesus said, we ain't doing that here. And he put the ear back. And then they took Jesus and Peter wanted to remain. Ladies and gentlemen, have you been at that point where you truly want to still stick with Jesus no matter what's going on but part of your strength and your faith has started to wane for him? Because you can no longer understand why you were fighting for somebody who just wants to give themselves away. You begin to wonder, is he losing it? Have I been wrong about this person? What is he talking about? Why is he going so easily? If he could just put back that ear, there are several other things he could do to stop this. Because he just did not have an understanding or a revelation of what Jesus was about to do right there and then. But the Bible says a part of him wanted to stick with Jesus. So he began to follow from a distance. Talks to me about several of us today who want to follow Jesus but at a comfortable pace. So that we don't want to get too close to him. We don't want to do exactly all the things that they do here in Daystar. That we want to remain in Daystar. I don't want to shout like all you all shout. I'm not crazy like you. But I'm a member of Daystar. You want to go out on evangelism? You can go ladies and gentlemen but I'll be here on Sunday is it the circles go well it ain't for me observer status I don't care about it but I dazed I'll buy the t-shirt when it comes out continue I got it uh what what are all the t-shirts we got I got all of them I'm a member of this but I just don't want to be crazy like y'all are you see all that crazy things you guys do mm, not me all the connect group things, um, I'll pass. But I'll be here. Check that middle row every Sunday. I'm there. I'm there. I will listen. I'm there. Except when Pastor Scott is getting too windy, I, I, I'll go home there. 
I'll come back again. <laughs> Falling at a distance. It's amazing. We could laugh at it, but I could take it a little further. How we would prefer a boat that is sinking, tossed by the waves, to coming close to Jesus on the water. We would prefer the comfort of the boat that is fleeting, that looks like the boat is about to turn over and not go to the Jesus who's asking you to come to him on the water. It's amazing how many of us want to do great, want to expect great things from God, but we don't want to attempt great things from him. We like the scriptures about God blessing our socks off but we don't like the scriptures about sacrificing for the blessing we like the scriptures about God bringing healing to us but we don't want to come to prayer meeting where we want to ask for God to bring the healing to us we like the scriptures that God will take us from one level of glory to another but we don't want to give him we don't want to follow him close enough because we just want to be comfortable following at a distance we're nothing but Peter at this time. Because you know how judgmental we can get sometimes, how critical we can get. How can Peter do that? How can you follow a guy for 33 and a half years and then you go say in his, in his face that you don't know him? But how many of us are giving our heart to him? I shared this story sometime back in, at the Tuscaloosa campus when I had the opportunity of preaching there. There's a story told about a king who everyone loved in a little town. They loved him to death. Everybody wanted to die for him. They pro proclaimed their love for him. They wore his, his emblem on everything they had in their, in, in their saucepans, in their teacups, in everything. They had the king. They, they, they greeted each other with the name of the king at all times. But on a day they heard this, that your king is dying. And everyone was heartbroken. No, my king can't die. No, how are we going to go on with my king dead? And everybody cried and mourned and they were in sackcloth and ashes in the little town. And the doctor came and made an announcement and said, hey, we got the solution. We've been told that he's dying of a heart disease. That we are able to transplant someone else's heart to him so that he can keep on living. But the question now is, Considering the, the, the profession of love we hear from everyone in this town, it's going to be difficult to know who to pick because everyone's going to kill themselves to want to be the person whose heart will be taken for the king. So they gathered everyone at the king's courtyard and began to announce, ladies and gentlemen, this is going to be a tough decision. We need a heart for the king, but we don't know who's going to volunteer. And all of a sudden, everyone lifted up their voice and said, it's going to be my heart. Take my heart. And everyone was crying that it's got to be their heart. And the doctor was so confused and said, what can we do? Because everyone here wants that honor. So they took a feather and from the balcony, they were going to let the feather down and said, upon whose head this feather falls is going to be the one with the honor to give the king his heart and to let the feather down. Ladies and gentlemen, it took hours upon hours and the feather never landed on the head because the robber had finally made the road. Because each time the, the feather was going to land, someone was like, take my heart. And he goes to the next person, take my heart. And it never landed. You see, it's very easy to go with a chant. It's very easy to cry all the cries, to shout all the shout, to say all the things that Daystar is meant for, to be equipped, musician, mobilized, and all that. We are a people of love, experiencing God's love and sharing God's love. But the point is when it comes to doing it, how many of us are right there? I'm sorry, guys. Jesus puts it this way, these people draw near to me with their mouth, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the tradition of men. Somebody say, I think I may be Peter. Uh-huh. Say, so it's like, take my heart. And we lose our inner fire when we begin to back out and stay at a distance. Because Jesus truly is the fire that warms us. 
So when Peter started to gain his distance from the Lord, he started to lose his spiritual heat. And so the Bible says, blessed are they who do not sit in the seat of the ungodly, who do not sit with the sinners. But Peter needed some warmth at this time. But because he was not among the fellowship of his brethren, where iron sharpened iron, where people spoke the truth to one another, he needed some warmth on his inside. So he moved to where he found physical warmth and sat with those who were intent on killing Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, when you make the world your best friend, guess what happens? They're going to turn around because you really are not one of them. That's what many of us as Christians don't really understand. When it comes down to it, they will kick you out as soon as, it, as they can. They'll look at you and say, you really don't fit, bro. That's exactly what they were saying to Peter. You don't fit here. You are like a sore thumb right here. I can pick you out. You are one of Jesus' people. But hear this. <clears throat> when Jesus was being questioned and Peter could hear everything, this is a heartbreaking uh, a revelation. And Peter could hear everything that Jesus was saying. They asked Jesus about what he would taught and what he did. And Jesus said, I don't need to tell you anything. There are people who can speak for me. Crickets, crickets, crickets. Imagine the disappointment when you thought you have impacted thousands upon thousands of people and when you needed just one witness, not one man could come in and say, I am Lazarus, I can testify to what he is saying right now. I was dead. I was gone. I had been written off. I had been dead for four days. But he called my name. I'm from the depths of hell. I was risen up and released back to life. That is the true gospel. This man speaks the truth. He was nowhere to be found. There was a man who was born blind. And Jesus came to him. But the man was nowhere to be found. I asked myself, where is the widow of Nain whose daughter Jesus raised up? She was nowhere to be found. But there was a man who at least was there. And he watched Jesus get slapped. But he could not say anything. How many of us come to church and shout and cry out and do others, but when we get out there and Jesus is getting slapped, we don't raise our voices. Because ladies and gentlemen, I, I haven't known as many people who are not as uh, outspoken about what they believe as the body of believers in our generation. I know how many of us can get so verbal, how we can we, we, we lose our tongue immediately comes to race, race, race uh, uh, discussions. Suddenly those who have been dumb for a long time will lift up their voice and say, what are you talking about? I know how many of us who strongly support one, one party or strongly support one person and we hear someone speak against him, we immediately, our voices come out, we are no longer shy, we, we confront them immediately. But when it comes to Jesus and when it comes to the faith that you have been called into, you lose your tongue. And yet we blame Peter. And yet we think Peter has done something so terrible that cannot be spoken about. Because when we, we leave this comfort here, where we know everyone here can accommodate our shouting, and we get back in school, and we get back at work, and we hear people slap Jesus, we don't even open our mouth to say anything about it. What a shame that could be. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing Peter out, but also calling us out at the same time. So that while we criticize Peter, we might begin to take a look at ourselves just a little. But there is something I'm going to show you about the life of Peter that changes the entire story. But first, let me talk to you about why we all are here today, why we are struggling with the nature of sin. Because back in the garden, a long time ago, Adam was deceived by the serpent. Adam and Eve disobeyed. And what did they do? They ran and hid themselves 
and covered themselves with fig leaves. And now here's the, 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 here's the bane of it all. It's not about what we do or how many times we deny him or how many times we are unable to speak for him. It is what we do after that. Because some, many of us, we don't understand what the grace of God is about. So we behave like Adam. We hide ourselves. Some people come to Pastor Shai. Pastor Shai, I want to take some time off choir. I want to hide myself. We, we, we duck out of church because we, we got ourselves caught up in mess. We get caught up in mess and we feel like the next thing we should do is duck away from church. Say, okay, you know, I want, I want to take some time away because I know I'm filthy right now. I don't want to even be in the presence of God. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a mind who does not understand the grace of God speaking. Because Adam could not understand the grace aspect of God. So he and his Eve went and hid themselves. So that even when God came and was saying, where are you? They would not reveal themselves to God. But what they did not understand was that when we sin against him, when we make mistakes, he expects us to come running back to him. Ladies and gentlemen, if you fall into the pit of sin, if you fall into a mistake, a critical mistake in your life, let me tell you this. Don't make the mistakes that every human being wants to make. He wants you back in his house dirty and stinking the way you are. Come to him and expose yourself to him. If there is any time you need to come back into the house of God, it's when you've fallen into your ditch. It's when you've fallen into the dirt because that's what the blood is for. The blood is useless if you don't fall into some dirt. I would have a situation where my child does not come back home because he soiled his Christmas clothes or he soiled his, 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 the, 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 the clothes I gave to him that were so nice. And I said, why didn't you come home? Well, I was looking for money to get some more and, and replace that cloth so that I can come back to you and show you so you don't know that I actually did mess up. Which is what many of us do. We treat God like sometimes like our earthly parents. We think that staying away for a while and not talking about it, that time will kill or heal that mistake that we have made. And then we come back after a week or two and we get back and start jumping and start praising. We did not address the situation. You did not address the situation because you thought time was going to wipe it away. Ladies and gentlemen, last time I checked, it wasn't time that wipes things away. Because the devil has a very good memory. He would always remind you of what you did yesterday, even when God has forgiven you about it. So who are you to deceive yourself that after a while it will go away? It does not go away. Except you expose yourself to him and say, God, I know you know what I did. So who am I hiding it from? The psalmist says, if I go to the depths of hell, you are there. I come to you to expose myself to you. But many of us are too concerned about what the others are going to say. I don't care what you are saying. I'm coming to him. I'm falling by the altar. I'm crying out to him. I'm shouting out to him because he only... It's important. I don't care that everyone knew what I did yesterday. I don't care that the whole world saw it on Facebook. That post I made, that picture I put, I am sorry about it, God. I may not be able to change the mind of anyone else, but you're mad about me. I don't have to prove to my dad that I'm better now. I don't have to prove to my family that I'm a better person. I'm a changed person. But if God has changed me, there's a light that will shine upon me and proclaim me to the others. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. Do you know the man who's called Paul, who wrote about three quarters of the Bible? Do you know who he used to be? That is a man whose evil became a testimony about the good that God used him for. Hear me, child of God, just in case you missed that in the book of Acts. After God struck him down and he got blind and he went into the street that is called straight. The Bible says God spoke to a man called Ananias and said, I want to ask you to go to a place called straight and go pray for a man whose name is Saul. Because right now he is praying. 
Ladies and gentlemen, prayer is, is an indication that God is doing something in your life. Prayer is an indication that there's a change coming that no man can stop. When you come to the altar to pray, it means that a change is about to happen. God is about to turn things around. God is about to do things that no man can, can change the course of things in your life. Because I will come to that altar. I will fall before him and pray. And any man who wants to look down on me will be the one God sends to me. Because Ananias raised up his voice and said, God, do you know who you're sending me to? You're sending me to the man called Saul. I know that man. We all know him in the faith. He has been the source of pain and hurt to this Christendom. But you know what God said to him? He said, go your way. For I have showed that man, not you, I have shown that man what great things I am going to do in his life. And it's none of your business. Because when you were taking all your time writing the history of my past, putting down together clips of my post on Facebook or the things I had done in the past, God is writing a new story about me that you don't know about. He is writing a new book about me and that is what will be published because the Bible says, speak the word, it will not come to pass because God is for me. So why run away from the only person who can truly change your life? I wish most of these celebrities would know that, that it's only God who can truly change your story. You wouldn't bother about what others are going to say about you. Because here's the funny thing. The same man who was such a pain to the Christian faith became one of the most respected among them and he did nothing to prove himself. Someone getting something out of this. I know you can point to my past mistakes. It's sitting right by me by, in, in the way of a little boy that's there. And you want to tell all that's the story about it. But God says, that's none of your business. I've written a new book about that little kid right there. I've written something else. What did the scripture say? He says he has transformed us, translated us out of the kingdom of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. In other words, if you go to my past Facebook history, you will be looking for a different person. Because I don't belong to that kingdom anymore. So why Adam ran and hid, Peter ran back to him. Look at your neighbor and say, you can run back to him. Where's my mom? Raise your hand up. My mom is a typical African woman. Small, but very, very agile. If I tell you she's more than 70 now, you won't believe it. But back in the day when I was still young and agile and I could run, she would say, Andrew, you're in trouble. Come here. And then I take off. And she looks at me and say, you will be back. <laughs> and then I go to my uncle's and stay there for about three days and come back home and I say, hey, mommy, how's it going? And all that stuff. And she said, oh, fine, you want to eat? There's food and all that. And then late in the midnight hour, when I thought everything was done and over with. She wakes me up and says, son, we need to talk. And she starts these historical lessons that I feel like, just kill me, please. I want to lie down and let's do it. And that's my God. When she's done with me, I'm a better child. And you can tell by looking at me right now. I learned after that that you don't pay to run away no matter how long you stay out. Because no matter how long I stay, I will still come back home. Ladies and gentlemen, what are you doing hiding? What are you doing saying, I don't want to lift up my voice anymore because everybody has seen the mess 
Ooh, what mess I had been. What little mistakes have culminated into ripples and ripples of messes over my life. Everyone in church knows me. The only thing I can do right now is just at least show my face and cry out every time like someone who's remote so that the church will begin to know that I am repentant. They don't need to know. Look up to him and remember what his grace is all about. This is what grace means. Grace says I have a plan to bring you back to where you used to be. I have a plan to restore you. Even when Adam ran away, he declared a long-term plan for his redemption. He said to the serpent, he said, the seed of this woman is going to bruise your head and all you can do is bruise his heel. It was a long-term plan, but it was a plan built upon grace to forgive. Ladies and gentlemen, instead of running away, let's do what Hebrews 4.16 says. It says, therefore, let us boldly, look at your neighbor and say boldly. Let us boldly come into the presence, the throne of God, so that we may receive mercy and find grace for help in our time of need. Ladies and gentlemen, the place to be when you are downtrodden, when everything in your life is going the wrong way, the opposite direction, is right here at the altar. I know the church can be so judgmental and say, hey, can you see? I've been noticing sister so-and-so in the altar lately. She must have sinned against God real bad. And your business, God is opening her to some new things because she was able to step out and not hide and come here. I use an illustration of a man in our neighborhood with my wife and always noticed the guy. At one point, if he was a Christian, we would have said there's a lot of the word in him because the word truly was made flesh and he looked heavy. <laughs> Never mind that. All right? He would walk from the beginning of our, our neighborhood and walk to the end. And we see him, all he does is his hands in his pocket, his head bowed, and he's doing this. And then a few hours later, we see him do this again. And we notice how big he was. Pardon me, that's not the proper language. Uh, I'm still learning a few of your proper languages. So, <laughs> forgive me. <laughs> uh, but do you know the funny thing? He consistently walked down that road for a long while. Recently, I called my wife and said, is that the same guy? Because he was skinny as skinny could be. Because he put his head down and did what he had to do, not considering what anyone was thinking about him, judging his appearance, but his appearance was transforming every day he took a step. And that's somebody I'm speaking to here. You've been hiding too long. You've been letting the devil deceive you too much. It's about time you lift your head up. It's about time you square your shoulder and say, how long will I hide away from him who's able to redeem and to change me? How long will I be struggling to show to others that I can be different? I will go to him who's able to transform and to change my life. And I don't care what they say when I walk down that altar, down that pew, all the way to the the altar. I don't care what they say and say hey watch her. She's going to be here again tomorrow. I don't care what they think about it when they say watch him. He's going to do the same thing again tomorrow. I just know that he says to come to him boldly because that's the only way I would receive mercy and find grace to help me. Why can I be so confident that he can do this? Because there is something about the blood. Somebody say the blood. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he made it a permanent source for our cleansing that the blood of bulls and rams could not do. Because occasionally they would kill bulls and rams just to shed, just to uh, uh, help us with the sins back in the day. The Bible says without shedding of blood is no remission. But Jesus came and he paid the price once and for all. Here's how Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 puts it. He says in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. 
things according to the riches of his grace. There is nothing we can do to pay for our own sin. The psalmist was quoted in Romans chapter 4 verse 7 and 8. He says, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord will not impute sin. There are times someone will tell me of the things my son had done and he'll be looking at me like I'm going to crush him right there. And I look at him and I say, you should know better. And perhaps everyone was thinking he's going to kill him. But I look at him and say, you should know better. And I believe we've resolved it. Amen. We, many people see us fall down and they say, God's going to deal with him on this one. And because of that impression, we are afraid to go to him because the world already believes that God punishes severely for every sin. So you are afraid of the punishment. You feel like it's better to stay away and see if you can postpone your doomsday. But he says, let us come to him with boldness. Here's, here's a question I want answered. God has provided forgiveness for every sin. Does that make everyone automatically forgiven? You have to receive God's forgiveness to be forgiven. He has, there's no question about it. He has forgiven you for your sin as soon as you ask him for it. But you have to receive his forgiveness. If we do not come to him to receive his forgiveness, we will stay in guilt and we will be defeated for as long as can be. And the devil can hold us back. Why did Romans chapter 10 say this in verse 9 to 13? That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. For the scripture says that whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. There is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. Grace is being able to understand the value of Jesus' work on the cross for us. Because not only did Jesus die for our sins... He rose so that he could take the sins with him forever. So the ones you are keeping on you right now, ladies and gentlemen, potentially have been taken. He had made plans for every sin that you fall into to be washed off you once you come to him. Because his blood is enough. Someone shout grace. The Bible tells us that if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so shall all be made alive. There are a number of scriptures I could begin to read to you here today. But what mostly attracts my attention, ladies and gentlemen, is that Peter who we were talking about earlier, who we had judged for, for denying Jesus, remember? For allowing Jesus to be slapped. He was there and he could not say anything about him. You know how the other disciples would feel about him. What are you talking about? You, you denied that guy. But here's what the Bible tells us later about Peter. The Bible tells us at one point that, Je that, that Peter said, I'm going to fish. And while he was in the sea, they saw Jesus by the shore. And as soon as John recognized and said, it is the Lord, guess what Peter did? He jumped out of the boat straight to Jesus. That's what we should all be. The same man who denied him became the man who first spoke the gospel that saved 3,000 plus people. Because that same man, when people began to criticize the same Jesus, while they were up in the upper room, he said, I'm not making that mistake again. 
I met it one time before that now I am in the place of fire because the Bible says the Holy Ghost had come upon him and men began to criticize the Holy Ghost and they began to say these men are drunken but Peter was the same person who said I've done this before not again I don't care if they know that I denied him before I'm going to be the same man who's going to proclaim him he stepped out on the balcony and he began to decree men of Israel and all those that are beyond let me make it known to you that what you see today is not drunkenness as you expect but this is the prophecy that John said back in the Bible that in the last days I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy your young men will dream dreams and he also went back and said Jesus the same man you crucified is reason the Bible tells us that when he had finished speaking, men's heart were pricked within them and they began to look one upon another and they began to say, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter did not hesitate to give them the solution. He says, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved and times of refreshing will come. And I'm told that the man who denied Jesus in the midst of just a handful of people, he brought about 3,000 plus people to God in one single day. What am I bringing out here, ladies and gentlemen? I've made my mistakes, very many of them. I've done things that I regret, but the devil ain't holding me back to those things. Because the same mean, I'm going to be the same man who will decree and to declare his name. The Bible says, I will declare the decree. Who among you here want to go out of what you had been to start to follow him again? Who's here today who says, I want to drop the this knapsack of my past and the things that have held me down of the blame and the guilt whose here says I want to open my mouth again. I know I have said the wrong words in the past but I have made up my mind today to start again to call upon his name. Who's here wanting to say I don't care what people said about me anymore. I'm the man who denied Jesus some time ago but I want to be the man who's at the forefront now. Who's here this morning. Who's here this morning who want to say, I don't want to stay with the warmth of the world anymore by the fire. I want to come back to my brethren. Where iron is sharpening iron. Where the heat of my brother is bringing the heat of the Holy Ghost upon me. Who's here? Who says we are the generation of them that seek him that seek thy face. Jesus, I feel in my spirit that there is a redemption. There is a breakthrough coming for somebody here. I don't know who I'm talking about, but somebody's tongue is about to be broken loose again. People are beginning to realize and say, hey, I knew that guy. If only you knew who he used to be in his former church. God is trying to bring somebody back to that position. I don't know who I'm talking about. I don't know who I'm talking about, but there's someone here who can sing very well but because you were hurt in the past and you don't understand God's forgiveness. You are thinking about man's forgiveness. You have not stepped up anymore to do the things that God wants you to do. But God is about to break the chains. He's about to bring you back. I don't know who I'm talking about, but I have a conviction in my spirit that somebody is about to step back into what God put them before. They're about to set the ball rolling again. And as soon as you do that, God is about to show some great things in your way. Who am I speaking about today that you can you stand up? to your feet and begin to decree the decree. The, 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 the prophet said, I have long held my peace, but now I will cry out like a traveling woman. I don't care who's listening. I don't care who thinks I'm crazy, but I'll begin to shout my shout again. I want to start dancing my dance again. I want to start crying out again because grace, it will not be taken for granted in my life anymore. All the devil has done so far is make me misunderstand the grace of God. But the grace of God has brought forgiveness to me. And I have taken the forgiveness today. So I am walking in that forgiveness. I'm no more the man I used to be. And I don't have to prove it to you. Look at your neighbor and say, I have moved. Well, thank you, Jesus. Lift up your hands to the heavens, right? Now. Jesus, we thank and 
Ladies and gentlemen, when the Spirit of God is moving, you don't need an invitation. Can I tell you that the waters are stirred right now? I'm not going to give you some specific instruction to come up for anything. This is what I'm talking about, ladies and gentlemen. It's about you just stepping into the waters right now. I don't know what your situation is about. I'm not going to call out situation. But I believe some people just want to be bold right now and step out into the waters. When the waters of God begins to get stirred, ladies and gentlemen, it could be for anything. It may be healing you are looking for. It might be restoration of some sort. Whatever it is, if you can just take that faith and say, this is what I'm coming here for. His grace is more than abundant. His grace is more than abundant. You don't even need to speak it to anyone. Just the fact that you step out into the waters is enough bring the transformation right now. Oh, I will and the devil can't stop it no more. 